I want to take this opportunity to thank God and also to thank my brother Harry. We are brothers from different mothers. <laughs> and I want to thank God for Mark, the senior pastor of this church and the leadership team of this church for giving me this opportunity to come here today and to share what God is doing in the world. I, for me, it's a wonderful privilege to be part of this family. It is a family, and I want you to know that as we hear the stories, it is God's story, and we are just telling God's story. But I also want you to know that you are part of the story. Because for a movement to happen, it is a process and it is a journey. Just like Nehemiah building the world, there are people on every part of the world building. And I want you to know your prayers and your support is making this happen. So you are part of what God is doing around the world. And I am only here to share God's story. It is not my story. It's not the story of people in Sierra Leone or Nigeria or Ghana or around Africa where we are working. It is God's story. And I'm just telling God's story. And we always say at the end of this that he alone will take all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise because it belongs to him. So I'm, I'm really excited to be here this morning. I will kindly just ask that we pray as we read God's word. Father, we thank you. Because you are Lord, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be here and God to share your word. I pray that your word will have a place in our heart and your word will transform our hearts. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will kindly ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 13. Acts 4, 1 to 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 13. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders, scribes, gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we have been examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. 
And there is salvation in no other one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Amen. In the sermon at Pentecost, Peter proved to the people by using scripture that Jesus is alive. He used scripture on the day of Pentecost to prove to the people that Jesus is alive. But in Acts chapter 3, when the cripple was healed miraculously, Peter had to prove to the people this time through miracle that Jesus is alive, but the change that happened in the life of the, the cripple. He proved to them that Jesus is alive by the miracle that happened in the life of the cripple. And because Jesus, he told them that this man was healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Sadducees were not happy. And the Sadducees wanted to stop them from preaching in the name of Jesus because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And so they wanted to stop the ministry of, of the apostles. But the apostles, you know, this was in fact the beginning it is a beginning of persecution in the life of the Christians. What will you do if somebody asks you to stop sharing the gospel? The apostles went back and they remembered what Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 10, reading from verse 16. Uh, Jesus told them that they would persecute him. And so the apostles stood upon that promise of the word of God and being filled with the Holy Spirit, they're dependent on the Holy Spirit to lead them in the process as they share the gospel. You know, the apostles refused to stop preaching this gospel because they had fallen in love with the message of Christ. But not only that, they had fallen in love with Jesus. And so therefore, they were merely unstoppable. They were unstoppable. In other words, they were telling the Sadducees and the opposition that we will not stop. They were courageous people. They were courageous because they knew that the gospel is countercultural. They knew it, so they refused to stop. As we reflect on the life of these apostles and these ordinary men that did extraordinary things, I look at the scripture that we've just read and I realize four basic things that the opposition tried to do to stop these apostles from preaching the gospel. And as we look at those four things, we also reflect those four things in what God has done in our movement, in our lives that relates to what was done to the apostles. As we look at the scripture, one of the things I realize is that, that the temple guard could not stop them. The temple guard could not stop them. In Acts chapter 4, when you read from verse 1 to verse 3, the Bible says very clearly that when they preach the gospel, when they are preaching the gospel, the Bible says that the Sadducees, the priests, and the temple guards came and they arrested them. You see, the intention of the temple guards, the intention of the Sadducees and the priests was to stop them from preaching the gospel. That was their intention. 
But they could not stop these people because these were ordinary people with courage and they were unstoppable. They were literally unstoppable. And that is why as we reflect on this subject today, as we reflect on the subject, you know, unstoppable, ordinary man with courage doing extraordinary work. These were ordinary men with courage doing extraordinary work. The temple guards wanted to stop them. They told them not to preach in this name. Because they were temple guards, they were Sadducees, they were the authorities of the scripture. But the men were unstoppable. You know, that reminds me, during the war in Sierra Leone, you know, during the war in Sierra Leone, we had different forces fighting. We had the rebels who were fighting. We have the soldiers, government soldiers who were fighting. We had the Kamajos who were fighting, that is the civil militias. We have the Ekomog, who was also part of the fighting force. We have the executive outcomes who came mercenaries from South Africa. We had the Gorkas who came from UK. And we had all these forces fighting. And as the, they were fighting the rebels, there were atrocities that were committed on every side. And some of the groups that were committing the atrocities were committing the atrocities in the name of God. Especially the civil militias. They were killing people, burning down houses in the name of God. They would attack villages and towns, and they would put fire on the houses, and they would shout Allahu Akbar, which means in the name of God. And you know, somebody needed to stop them. Somebody needed to tell them that the God we know is a loving God. And so I started to speak out. I started to challenge the things they were doing in my community, beyond my community. And so that my message was not a friendly message. They did not like the message that I was preaching. Because I told them that the God I serve is a loving God. The God that we serve, that I know, is a kind God. is a merciful God. It's a God that will not allow you to kill somebody else in his name. And they did not like my message. So eventually they started looking for me. I was hiding from one hideout to another hideout. One day I was desperately hungry. And I needed food for my family. So I came out of the hideout looking for food. And then, unfortunately for me, I met these guys, this group of, you know, civil militias. And there was a commander among them. And he was holding a pistol and they had a guy with AK-47. And one of them knew me and they said, that is the man who has been talking against us. That is the man who has been preaching against us. So I was arrested. The commander said, arrest him. This commander was a notorious commander. When people hear his name during the war, they will run for their lives. And so when they arrested me, they tied me, tied my hands in such a way that my fingers could touch the back of my neck. You know, up to this day, I carry pain in my arms. They tied me in such a way because that's what they, they did during the war. And they took me out and the commander said, I am going to kill you. When I kill you, Go and tell your God that I, commander, killed you. You have been preaching that your God is a kind God, is a loving God. He said, now, your God cannot save you. I'm going to kill you. Go and tell your God that I killed you. He was so desperate. He was furious. He was annoyed with me. He had a pistol in his hand. And his boys had AK-47. In that pain, I bowed down my head. And I said, God, if this is my time to die, I'm ready to die. But Lord, do me one more favor. Before I die, God, give me one more soul so that I will die with one more soul. And let it be this commander. 
to pray. After praying, I lifted my head and I said, Commander, please give me five minutes. Just five minutes, I want to talk to you. The commander looked at me and said, go ahead and talk. You are already a dead man anyway. Go ahead and talk. And I said, Commander, please, I want you to do me this favor. I want you to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. I said, Commander, because right now, if you shoot me, there are angels all around this place that will take me to heaven. But if you die, Commander, you will not make it to heaven. You will go to hell. But if you do me this one favor, if you accept Jesus right now as your Lord and personal Savior, Commander, if you turn around after doing that, you turn around and shoot me, Jesus will forgive you. Both of us, when we die, will be in heaven. I said, because, Commander, Jesus loves you. And Jesus died for you. I said, his hands are widely open waiting to receive you. This commander looked at me as if he was looking a movie, watching a movie. He could not believe it. He looked at me while we were discussing his pistol was like this. While I was talking to him, the pistol dropped like that. I was watching the pistol. Because the other guys were just waiting. You know, the other guys were just waiting for command to shoot. And the commander looked at me. He looked at me. And he said to his boys, untie this man. Untie him. Let him go. Something is wrong with his head. Something is wrong with him. <laughs> and they untied me and I left. But a few weeks down the road, commander came to the hideout where I was. And when commander came, you know, my wife was inside. And so when my wife saw commander, she was afraid and he said, and he said where's your husband? My wife said, he's not around. But I was inside. My wife was trying to protect me. But also in my mind, I was thinking, if I don't come out, Commander may harm my family. So I stepped out. I said, Commander, what's the problem? He said, I want to talk to you. And so we went and we stood under a tree. And Commander said to me, he said, since that day when you told me that if I die, I don't have a place to go. You told me about God. He said, nobody has ever spoken to me the way you spoke to me. He said, since that day, when I go to bed, I don't sleep. I've been thinking of what you told me. That's why I've been looking for you. Can you tell me more about this man? That's how I became friend to Commander. He became my friend. And with time, I shared the story of creation to Jesus with Commander. And Commander gave his life to Jesus. And it was not only commander, some of his boys also gave their life to Jesus. And I baptized commander in the river called uh, River Sewa, just a few miles from where I stay. And today as I speak to you, that commander is part of the movement. And two of these boys with the AK-47 are our church planters today, planting churches and advancing the kingdom of God. You see, the intention of the temple guards, the Sadducees and the priests was to stop the apostles from preaching and sharing the gospel. The intention of commander was to stop me from sharing this gospel. But you know, as ordinary people, we are simply unstoppable. 
simply unstoppable because God gave us courage. He gave the apostles courage to preach the gospel. And that same courage Jesus gave to us to share this gospel. And the second thing I realized from the scripture, I also realized that the prison walls could not stop them. The Bible says these men were arrested. When you read verse 3b, that they were arrested and they were put in prison. They put them in custody because it was already even. They put them in prison. The intention was that they were expecting that those prison walls would become a barrier, a stumbling block. Those prison walls would stop those men, discourage them from preaching or sharing the gospel. But you know, it reminds me of Peter. When Peter, I mean, Paul was arrested. When Paul was arrested, Paul and Silas, they put them in the prison. And these men started to sing and praise God and worship God. And the Bible says there was a mighty earthquake. The ground started to shake and there was a mighty earthquake. earthquake, And then the prison walls opened and the chains were loose. Why they were worshiping? So much that the prison officer, the guard, thought that, you know, this man had run away. He wanted to kill himself. And, you know, Paul said, we are here, by the way. We are just worshiping God. We are here. The prison walls could not stop them. And I see the same issue here in Acts chapter 4, verse 3b, that they put them in prison with the intention that those prison walls would stop them, but it did not stop them. And that reminds me of something that also happened during the war in our life. You know, one day, because we also had the soldiers who were fighting, and the soldiers were also committing atrocities. The soldiers were also doing some of the things that the rebels were doing. And so, you know, my message was not only against the rebels, it was not only against the Kamajos, the civil militias, but it was also against the soldiers. And so because of that, one day I was in my office, a very small office, and all of a sudden, the soldiers came with a, a truck and they surrounded the house, barged into the room, and they arrested me and two of my disciples. One of them is called Sylvester. They arrested us, and they threw us into the truck like a bag of rice. They just threw us into the truck, and they took us to their headquarters. Now, by this time, my disciples were crying. They were crying like babies. And, you know, I did not want them to disturb my faith and my courage. And I said to the guys, who are you looking for? They said, we are looking for Pastor Johnson. Who is Pastor Johnson among you? And I said, I'm Pastor Johnson. And I said, these guys, they just came to visit me. I did not even tell them they are my disciples. Because the guys were crying in such a way. I said, they only came to visit me. I'm Pastor Johnson. And they said, okay, you guys fall out. Leave this place. And these men ran for their lives. <laughs> they did not even turn around to, to think that, you know, our brother is there. They just ran for their lives. <laughs> and I remembered what Jesus went through with Peter. When Peter looked at him and said, I know him not. These guys also took me, the soldiers took me, threw me back into the truck and took me to my house. When I got to the house, they went into my house, they ransacked my whole house, turned everything upside down, took what they wanted to take. And they threw me back into the truck. And they told my wife, you will never see this man again. You will never see me again. I managed to squeeze my head in the truck while they were stepping on me. I told my wife, I said, I'm coming, I'm coming back. They are my new best friend. I'm coming back. <laughs> and when they took me to their headquarters, they had these 40 feet sea containers. 40 feet sea containers. 
They put me in the container and they locked the door. No ventilation. As I got into the container, I took up my shirt and I started worshiping God. I remembered Paul and Silas. I said, Lord, maybe earthquake will happen here. Let me begin to worship. Maybe there will be another earthquake. So I started worshiping God, praising God. The soldiers did not like me worshiping God. They did not like me praising God in the container. So they will come, they will kick against the container, stop singing. They will use the boot of the gun to hit the container, stop singing. And I will tell them, I am not going to stop singing. I'm going to continue to sing until I meet my Lord. But anyway, if you want me to stop singing, come and join me in the container. I was in the container from morning to 7 p.m. local time. And in the evening, they came and they opened the container. And they said, Our, the colonel wants to see you. And so I went upstairs, and the colonel gave me a chair, and I sat down. And the colonel asked me this question. What makes you so bold? What makes you so bold? I looked at the colonel and said, sir. Do you want to know what makes me so bold? He said, yes, I want to know. I said, Connor, the Bible says, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. You know, by the look of the Connor, I knew he was not a follower of Jesus. And the Connor laughed when I said this, but I know he did not understand. And he said, do you know that if you were in the natural army, if you were in the army by now, you would have gone through the ranks because of your courage and your boldness. I said, I am in the army, sir. And the colonel looked at me and said, which army? I said, I'm in the army of the Lord, sir. And the colonel looked at me and said, I'm going to release you tonight. But I want you to report here first thing in the morning. I said, yes, sir. So I left. By the time I got back home, when people saw me, they thought it was a ghost. You know, here, when people talk about ghosts, they realize, they see that the ghost is white. Back home, when we talk about ghosts, the ghost is black. <laughs> so the, <laughs> you know, everybody advised me, don't go back, don't go to them. You know, pack your bags, run away. And I said, no, I'm not going to run away. They told me, to go back in the morning. So first thing in the morning, I'll be there. And so first thing in the morning, I went there, and the soldier who was standing at the gate, when he saw me, he said, you came back? So you came back? I said, yes, I came back, because the corner asked me to come back. And so when the corner came, we went upstairs in his office, and the corner said to me, I so admire your courage. He said, I admire your courage so much. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to be coming here once a week so that you can talk to my boys. You can talk to my boys. He said, I really want that courage in the life of my boys. And I said, yes, sir. That's how I started coming to the soldiers. And that's how I became a chaplain to the army. <laughs> and I started coming and coming. And I want to thank God the relationship between me and this colonel became a relationship of brothers. And eventually, the colonel got saved. He gave his life to Jesus over the years. And with time, he became the chief of staff of the army in Sierra Leone. You know, but God had to put me in that container, that prison wall, 
so that he will make me a chaplain. Today in the army in Sierra Leone, our chaplains in Sierra Leone, I have done so many trainings with the chaplain in Sierra Leone. And the chaplains in Sierra Leone are planting churches today and making disciples. But it started from that relationship. You see, the prison wall was intended to stop the apostles, but it did not stop them. The prison wall, that container was intended to stop me, but it did not stop me. I don't know what prison wall maybe you have today, but trust me, those prison walls should not stop you from sharing the gospel. The third thing that I saw from the scripture, I also realized that the Sahendri could not stop them. The Sahendri could not stop them. In Acts chapter 4 verse 7, Acts chapter 4 verse 17, and verse 7, sorry, and verse 17 to 19, we realize that they brought them, the Bible said they brought them and they put them in the midst of the leaders. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired. They brought these guys and put them in the midst of the Sahendri. The council that was seated there, the authority, the religious authority. And they asked them, in whose name or which power, by which power are you doing the things that you are doing? The Bible says in verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up, and Peter started to talk and explain the story. You see, Peter explained the story so much, the story of Jesus going back to the people rejecting him, and he becoming the cornerstone. But the intention of the Sahendri, when you continue to read from verse 17 to verse 29, you realize that their intention was to really stop these guys. In fact, they said, we, let us threaten them that they will not speak in this name again. So their intention was to stop them, but they could not stop them. When we started after the war, and we started planting churches in villages, in towns, and God started to bring the Muslims to the Lord in villages and towns, village after village, we started planting these churches. You know, the Muslims became very annoyed. They became annoyed, and so they reported me to the resident minister in the south. The resident minister is like the regional minister. They wrote a former complaint, complaining me that I'm turning Muslims to Christ, and I'm saying that Jesus is the only way. And so they wrote me an official letter inviting me to this big gathering meeting. When I got the letter, I showed it to my leaders. Everyone advised me, don't go alone. Go with somebody. Maybe they are going to kill you. Maybe they will harm you. Go with somebody. But I remember what Jesus told his disciples. That they will bring it before the authorities. They will bring it before the rulers. But on that day, do not, be, do not be afraid and do not bother about what you are going to say. For I will give you the words to say. So that day I told them, I'm not going to anyone. I'm going alone. So I went alone. I entered into this big hall. And I saw all the sheikhs. The sheikhs are like the scribes, you know, in Islam. And the imams are like the senior pastors in the mocks. And I saw them, they were all seated. When I greeted them, nobody answered me. And I knew they were annoyed with me. And then the resident minister read all the indictments against me. That because I'm bringing Muslims to the faith. When he finished reading, he said, do you have anything to say? I said, yes, of course. And then I stood up and I said, elders, I want to thank you for such an opportunity. Thank you for this day because God prepared you for this day so that you will listen to what I'm saying. And then I started to tell them about what God is doing in the villages. 
And I tell them, I said, we go to these villages after the war. And when we go there, we try to find out what is the need of the people. When we discover the need, we serve them with a purpose. And as we serve them with a purpose, the people ask us questions. Who are you? Where are you coming from? You are different. And when they ask us that question, we tell them about the story of God from creation to Jesus. When they hear the story, they say, ask us, what can we do to follow Isa? That means Jesus. What can we do? And we tell them what they are supposed to do. That's how some families and villages have come to Jesus. We provide schools. We have provided so many schools for them in communities, wells in communities, agricultural seed in communities, medical outreach in communities. This is what we are doing. We are serving with purpose. And out of it, the result has become, this is what has become the result. We have never forced anyone to follow Jesus. There was an, the assistant to the resident minister was seated there. And he said, yes, I can access to that. He said, even though I'm a Muslim, but these people went to my village. The school in my village, they brought the school there. The well in my village, they dug the well in my village. So I am a witness that this is what they're doing. Then the resident minister turned to all of these guys and said, is this the only thing you have against Pastor Johnson? Is this the complaint you have? Pastor Johnson's not doing anything wrong. He's only preaching the message that he has. He's preaching the gospel that he has. If you have another message, go and preach another message. Allow Pastor Johnson to preach what he's preaching. You go also and preach your own message. <laughs> and that's how we ended that meeting. And the resident minister said to me, Pastor, can you pray for us? And I said, of course. And then I prayed. When I prayed, I ended. I said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. <laughs> you see, the intention of the Sahendri was to stop the apostles from, from preaching and spreading this gospel. The intention of these elders was to stop me from preaching this gospel and sharing the gospel. I remember one day, I got a text on my phone. And they put the picture of Ben Laden. They put the picture of Ben Laden and they wrote underneath, you are next. You are next. Of course, we all know that if they send a picture like that to you and they say you are next, it means you are next in line to die. That's what simply the message was telling me. I showed it to my wife, and we prayed about it. And I said, I'm going to pray. My wife said, how are you going to, what are you going to do? I said, let me pray about it. So I prayed about it. And then all of a sudden, I had an idea. I took the picture of Belandi off, and I put the picture of Jesus, and I sent it back to the number, say, you are next. You know, if you intend that I'm next in line to die, you are next to be saved. <laughs> because I know that all of these groups, the intention was to stop the spread of the gospel. But the Lord did not stop it. These men could not stop. They are unstoppable. Because they were ordinary men with courage doing extraordinary work. The fourth thing I realized from the scripture is that their educational background could not stop them. Their educational background could not stop them. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 13, the Bible makes it very clear in Acts 4, 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. When they realized that these men were uneducated common men, they did not go to the Rabboni school that they had. 
the highest rabbinic school. They did not go to the theological school that they had. They did not have an influential educational system. And so they were surprised. They were astonished. They were blown beyond proportion. They were blown away. Looking at these common men who were illiterate, uneducated, at least in what they thought was a common education. But one thing that qualified them, they saw that they realized that these men were with Jesus. The only qualification that they had, these men were with Jesus. And because of that, the men, the apostles did not say because of our education. We did not go to these high schools. And so therefore, we could not preach the gospel. They knew they went to the highest school. And the highest school was, they took the tutelage under Jesus. They sat with him for three years. He taught them for three years. They copied his life, and they were able to do what he was doing. You know, in our movement, we have men and women who never went to school. Never. They've never, they never went to school. But through the discipleship process that we do, the discovery Bible studies and the discipleship process, these men and women have been able today to teach the Bible, to share the Bible, to discuss the Bible, to discover things in the Bible. And they have been able today to raise leaders, even though they are illiterate, but they have raised leaders that are learned people. They have raised leaders that are educated. They have planted churches in communities, and they have raised pastors who are educated to lead those churches. But they are illiterate. My mom is an example. My mom never went to school. She never went to school. My mom was a Muslim. And I want you to know, because of my relationship with Jesus, my mom also had a relationship with Jesus. And my mom, because she did not go to school, she said, the only thing I would do for you is I will pray for you. So my mom became an intercessor. I taught my mom how to pray. Today, my mom can pray far more than me. You know, my mom can fast for more than 200 days in the 365 days in a year. And my mom has brought more Muslim women to the faith than any other woman I know. Not only that, not only that, my mom has planted several churches and raised leaders who are educated, far more educated than her. And they are leading those churches today. She leads thousands of intercessors, praying and fasting every day. And there are so many of them who never went to school. We have people who are blind church planters. They are blind, but they are planting churches in communities. We have different type of people planting churches. They are uneducated. But you know what? They have been with Jesus. They are with Jesus. And the power of God's spirit is inside of them. So they are able, though they are common men, but they have courage. They are able to do the things that they are doing. They have gone to difficult places. They have faced persecutions too. They have faced so many persecutions. Close to, they have come close to death. But you know what? That has not stopped them. And as I conclude, let me say, the world may ask you, the world may ask you to pamper yourself. But Jesus is asking you to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. This is the reason why I am living and this is the reason for which, if need be, I will die. Because Jesus is the impossibility specialist. There's nothing that he cannot do. He's the only one that specializes in impossibility. What man cannot do, he can do. And I'm challenging you today. You may say, I'm just a common, ordinary man. But I want to challenge you that with the pastors that God has given you, 
They can coach you. They can come alongside with you. And you can do miraculous work in your communities, in your families, in this city, and in this nation. And by the grace of God, working alongside with the impossibility specialist, you can do great things. That is what I'm calling you to. If you believe in that, I just want you to pray with me shortly as we end. Father, I want to thank you. I bless you and I honor you. God, I pray that, Father, as the apostles were unstoppable, unstoppable, they were ordinary men with courage doing extraordinary work. I pray, God, that these men and women in this place today will be unstoppable. God, you will give them courage to do extraordinary work in their families, in this church, in this community and beyond. And Father, at the end, you take all the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you enjoyed this? Has this been a special time? You know? It has been. Yep. Just, I want to thank you as a church, what you do around the world by supporting and praying for missions. It's incredible. So thank you for being such a special uh, family, a family of God that's reaching here and around the world with the gospel. So, hey, right now what I'm going to do, I'm going to turn it over to Shadanka. And we're going to have a very special benediction. No song here. It's going to be a song, though, of a sorts. It's going to encourage you. And I hope you go out of here with the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ, living courageously for him. Amen? Let's stand. You are more than what people say, my God. You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say, Jehovah. You are more than what people say. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are more than what people say. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are more than what people say. You are more than what people say, Jehovah. You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say, Jehovah. You are more than what people say. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are more than what... Can you sing with me? You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are more than what people say. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are more than what... You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are more than what people... You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say, Jehovah. You are more than what people say. You are the King of kings, Lord of lords. You are more than what people say. You are the King of kings, Lord of lords. You are more than what people You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say. You are more than what people say, Jehovah. You are more than what people say. You are the King of kings, Lord of lords. You are more than what people say. You are the King of kings, Lord of lords. You are more than, you are more than what people know. You are more than what people know. You are more than what people know. 
You are more than what people know, Jehovah. You are more than what people. You are the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You are more than what people know. You are the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You are more than what. Father, indeed, you are more than what people say. You are more than what people know. You are more than what people even think. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are the God who changeth not. You are the God of Abraham, you are the God of Isaac, and you are the God of Jacob. You are the God of the church. Father, you are the firstborn among the living. You are the resurrection and the life. No man comment unto God except through you, Jesus. We, God, declare you as Lord of our lives. You are Lord of this church. You are Lord of our lives. You are Lord of our families. You are Lord of our businesses. You are Lord of our jobs, Father. God, we thank you and we exalt you. We praise you and we glorify you. We say there's no God like you among the gods. No God. At the mention of your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Father, this moment, as we leave this gathering, we are not leaving your presence. We will always be in your presence. But Father, we pray that your presence will go with us. That your glory will overtake us this week. That Father, you will make us true witnesses for you. In our words, in our thoughts, and in our actions. In our homes, we will be witnesses for you, Father. That we will trumpet and share the gospel of the living God. Father, we pray that God, your will be done in our lives. Your kingdom come. As God it is in heaven, let it be in our families. Let your kingdom come in our families. Let your kingdom come in this church. Let your kingdom come in the community where we stay. Let your kingdom come in our business and our jobs. And let your will, your will alone be done, Father. Father God, Forgive us as we forgive those that trespass against us. God, everyone that trespass against us, we forgive them today. We release them from our hearts. And Father, may your blessing, your peace, your glory, your joy, may it rest upon this house, rest upon your children. And Father God, may they go out into the communities and cause a ripple effect. A ripple effect that will bring honor and glory to your name. Thank you, Father. Father, you take all the honor, take all the glory, take all the praise. It belongs to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.